0: God bless you guys. Welcome back to Growing in His Word. Last week we were in the uh, book of Revelation, chapter 14. This is a radical message, the Lamb, that's on Mount Zion. It's the everlasting gospel. It's going to be preached into the world. The last two chapters correlate with this chapter, mathematically-wise and chronological orderly-wise. It fits the mark here, speaking of the mark, we see the mark of the beast is talked about here. And it's a fraudulent seal that's placed on your forehead. It's intended to be a contrast to the mark of the beast. And it's a way of the enemy trying to get you in this system of, of the organized religion, false religion, and... Set up of the devil and his angels, the beast of the earth, there's two beasts And these two wild beasts. there's one of the sea and, and one of the earth, and they're like twins, they're like Siamese cats, and they uh, well, they can't be broken. They are together, and they will stay that way until God deals with them. Revelation is a unique book. That displays the attributes of Jesus Christ and the love that he has for us. You know what's interesting is as believers, we are going through the darkest times of our lives and even so, so, so much more when we receive Jesus, but I don't see a easy way out of the sufferings that Jesus Christ told us that we're going to have in our lives. When we follow Him, and you might be thinking, "Wow, suffer me? I gotta suffer if I gotta follow Christ? I'm out of here." But the Bible says it's a joy to suffer for Jesus Christ, knowing that those sufferings will lead us into a great, radical relationship with Jesus Christ, and that we will reign in heaven forever with Christ. Father, we come before you. We thank you for this word, Lord. We ask that you bless it in your name, Jesus. Speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Listen, last week was a radical message. It was the world. Uh, it was the. I'm sorry. It was the uh, Lamb on Mount Zion, or uh, you know, the everlasting gospel preached into the end of the world. Babylon will fall. Judgments and blessings are going to be coming. Armageddon will Armageddon will come. And uh, you know, there's the two wild beasts I just talked about. Talked about. They're they're the Siamese. You know, whatever, and they're t- they're together. They're Siamese, and it's mathematical, and it's in a chronicle or a chronological order. And so, the last it reflects to the last previous chapters, thirteen, um, and those are the darkest days. It's hell's holiday. It's it's when we as believers must make it to the end. And the one hundred and forty four thousand were sealed. God sealed them up. It says in chapter. Fourteen, verse one. Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion in Hebrew, it's Sion, Sion, and with him one hundred and forty-four thousand, having his father's name written on their foreheads. Now listen, believers. Okay, these one forty-four were they were sealed. They were the they were she, they were the sheepfold of another sheepfold. They were Hebrews. They were. uh, they were from uh, you know the, the Jewish tribes, but they they were not sin they were they were not sinless in their earthly lives because we know that by Romans chapter three verse twenty three. But they were without deceit and fault with regard to the testimony for Christ, and particularly they did not per- participate in falsehood because they rejected the lie of the Antichrist that talks about in C- in Second Thessalonians chapter two. So they were without fault or blemish because they, were, they refused the mark of the beast. And we talked about that last week. And so, you know, these, their shepherd was Jesus Christ and is Jesus Christ. Because it says in verse 1, A lamb standing on the Mount Zion and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. Their father is Jesus Christ. And like the voice of a loud thunder, and I heard the sound of a harpist playing their harps. And they sing as it were a new song before the throne, before their four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed. For the earth, from the earth, these are the ones, believers, who are not defiled with women. For they are virgins. They're the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. And these were redeemed from among many being his first fruits, to God and to the Lamb. The Lamb is Jesus Christ. Look, believers, I'm sorry I get excited because, you know, I don't want people to rob my joy. And I get excited when I hear the Word of God and I read the Word of God. It comes alive. The Lamb of Jesus is the uh, Lamb of God. It talks about it in... uh Chapter 5, Revelation, and chapter 6, it says it, and chapter 13, and this is where the Lamb is Jesus. But in their mouth there was no deceit, for they were without fault before the throne of God, man. That's what we need to be. We need to be without fault. Well, I can't, you might say to yourself, well, you can we're all a work of progress. We're all a work in progress, man. Listen, listen. There's a system of your life that you can't fix until you surrender to Him totally. You see, the real problem is trying to learn how to plan your own ways and your own redemption and the way that you think that you can manipulate people or yourself into planning your own redemption. But maybe... You don't understand what it means to totally surrender to Jesus Christ. The real problem is learning how to draw near to him instead of the system that they've created. And this is the same system that the Antichrist is going to be part of with the fall of Babylon. Babylon will fall. Politics are the are the Babylonian system, the commercial, the religious system, the great tribulation. Listen, the beast will be judged and the lamb will. And the lamb will return. Jesus Christ is the lamb and he will return. And you will see that in chapter 19. You've seen it and you will see that in chapter 19. And this is the system where we believers need to draw more near to Jesus Christ rather than the problem. We need to stop thinking about how we can compromise and, and take here and take from there and just start trying to live our own way. It doesn't work. I tried it. I failed. It's only when we stop and allow Jesus Christ into our life, draw near to him, read the word of God, get into the word of God, and stay into the word of God. We're living in the end times, man. It's happening. But we got to be ready. The lamb that's standing on Mount Zion, and with him is the 144,000. These were seen in Revelation chapter 17. And they were identified as a group of Jewish believers who, were, who, who would actually minister during the Great Tribulation. And listen, and they're given a seal of protection. We have that seal, man. Maybe not like them, but we have that seal of God's mercy and grace on us. Because, the, you know, we just got to remember they're standing firm with Jesus Christ. And we need to be like that. And so we have to understand that the, the, the biggest question is, is what are what are we who are we drawing next to or who we want to draw near when we're becoming in these trials and tribulations that we get? You see the first fruits to God and to the Lamb, verse 5 says, and in their mouth was no deceit. You know, these. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the lamb, because the one forty four are the beginning of a greater harvest. They are the first fruits, the godly nucleus of Israel, which is the token of redemption of the nation. This is the first fruits. They're instrumental in God's plan for bringing a great in gathering during the tribulation that it talks about in Revelation chapter seven, verse nine. It describes the innumerable companies saved out of the great tribulation and these 144,000 describes as the first fruits are used to preach the gospel to those who will be saved in this period. Believers, we're going to be raptured. It's going to be radical and that's going to happen, But but we got to focus on one thing, man, and that's Jesus. I mean, because we're living in Babylon. Have you ever seen the news lately? I mean, I'm not stuck on the news 24-7, but... But look at what's going on. Babylon is fallen, man. It's going to happen. Look, then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having an everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. That's us. <laughs> if you haven't noticed, <laughs> we're on the earth. It doesn't say junipers, you know, or Mars. But listen to every nation, tribe and tongue and people saying with a loud voice, fear God. This is what the angels saying. Listen, the three angels. Fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment has come and worshiped him who made heaven and earth, the sea and his springs of water. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen. Believers, listen. Babylon is fallen. We're talking about Revelation 17. For now, it's representing mankind in an organized, organized rebellion against God it's prophecy it's it babylon it's it's referred to the literal city sometimes to like a religious system or a political system but it all stems from the evil character babylon i believe that because it talks about and another angel has fallen into this it, i i believe that that this this is really talking about This is serious stuff, believers. You need to listen to this. Let me read this. Because it says, Fear God and give glory to him for the hour of judgment has come and worship him and made him heaven and the earth, blah, 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 like I said, but the sea and springs of water. Verse 8, And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen. Is fallen. It says it twice. Look, Babylon is fallen. Is fallen. The great city, because she had, listen to this, made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Here we have the, I believe, Revelation 17. It, 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 go to Revelation 17. We can see where it says the woman and the beast. It talks about the, the uh, what the beast that you saw was and how it ascends to the bottomless pit and goes to perdition. It's a spiritual harlotry. The woman is drunk with the blood of the saints. We are the saints. And and the Christian martyrs, Matthew chapter 24, verse 21. And well, listen, believers, by the wine of her fornication. It's disgusting. It's the end times. It's dirty. It's filth talk. I don't want to be part of it. I I, I get sucked into it, man, by people on the street, family members you haven't seen in years. You know, they, they suck you into your old... Times, your old ways, your old days. You you know, you let Christ nail that to the cross a long time ago. And you get a phone call out of nowhere. (laughs) And boom, you're right back in the mix again. Man, I don't want that. God says to throw that away. Block that behavior. It's old. It's been crucified. Leave it at the cross. You can't work that system on your own. Babylon is fallen. We're living in Babylon spiritually, spiritual Babylon. You ever see what's on the internet these days? You can hear about it on the news. It's bad. We're living in the wrath of our fornication. And the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on the forehead or or his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God that's poured out. We talked about that last week. The mark of the beast, listen, he shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in his presence of the lamb and the smoke of their torment is forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, written, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and, and their works follow them. And then we stopped. And then now we are on reaping of the earth's harvest. Long and short, don't take the mark of the beast, whether it's on your forehead, your hand. Don't take any mark of the beast. It's just a system. It's a system that you're saying yes to that you don't even understand. And actually, the Bible says that you will understand when you take this mark. So be careful that you don't fall into this system that you think you can control. (laughs) Because we get into the wine of the wrath of God and the cup of his indignation, and people say, oh, he's not a punishing God. Well, the wine in the cup is associated with the wrath. (laughs) The ancient Greek word is thymos, and it describes a passionate anger. But the cup itself is associated with indignation, you see? And the ancient Greek word for that is Orge, O-R-G-E. Look it up. It's the anger from the settled disposition that people cling on to this evil system and they don't want to repent and get to know Jesus. But the ancient Greek word orge is the common word for God's anger. It's in the New Testament. The ancient word is thymos. It's used only 11 times, man. And 10 of them, No, 10 of the 11, I mean, are in Revelation. (laughs) Don't take the mark. Because clearly, God doesn't want to send anybody to hell. He loves us all, but we have a choice to make. And the choice is simple. You can't follow this system of religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ and God wants to restore you. God is into the restoration business, and he knows everybody's problems. He knows what they're going through. He knows what they're feeling, and he knows exactly what's going on with every inch of their life and your life. So believers, it says when he was reaping at the earth's harvest, it says in verse 14, Then I looked and behold a white cloud and on the cloud sat one like the son of man having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle and another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, "Thrust thrust in your sickle and reap for the time has come for you to reap for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And so he who sat on the cloud thrust. In his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Listen, believers. Listen. You see, this is the earth's harvest, and it's time for Jesus to bring in the harvest. You see, on the clouds sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. Well, some find it difficult to see Jesus as the one gathering the harvest here. They have a hard time with Jesus responding to another angel who came out of the temple. But it's basically unlikely that anyone called the Son of Man and wearing a golden crown is anyone but Jesus Christ. And he's saying, look, get out there. Be about my business. Go and be used. Jesus Christ is coming back, man, and he's going to have the victory, the crown, and he's coming back, man. With, with and there's going to be a great battle. There's going to be, you know, there, we're going to see this final triumph. That and and the 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 gold will be about Jesus. It'll be the the the, the crown for Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The uh, harvest of the earth is ripe. The the ancient Greek word for ripe has a negative sense to become by dry or withered. But the idea is something here is that it's, it's overripe. That means that God will judge the earth only when it's overripe for judgment. He doesn't rush into judgment. He's merciful. He's graceful. And he wants us to get out there and have a relationship with him. There's a harvest. You see? And the The, uh, harvest, it's, it's, it's here, man. It's, remember, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, it says that the image of the second coming of Jesus as a harvest is also communicated in that, in that chapter, okay? That's the parable of the wheat and the tares, you know, and a lot of people, believers, they want to get inside there and become Jesus when a problem happens. They want to take the wheat and separate the tares from the wheat. When Jesus says, I will separate the wheat from the tares and I will come and judge. You just got to be grafted inside there and mind your own business. The implication is that true believers will not be separated from those who merely go to church until the final harvest. And the fully ripe pitcher of the grapes are fully grown and the prime almost burst in with juice. Jesus wants us to be fat with the, with the fruit. Juicy. Get out there and let people have some fruit. Don't hold it all in. The harvest of the earth is ripe. Be the light. So he was sat on the cloud thrust his sickle on the earth and the earth was reaped of the temple which is in heaven he's also having a sharp sickle having a sharp sickle and verse 18 says and another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire and he cried with a loud cry to him who had a sharp sickle saying thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe so the angel thrusts his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great wine press to the wrath of God. And the wine press was trampled outside the city and blood came out of the wine press up to the horses, bri- brides, bri- uh, bridles for 1,600 furlongs. Listen, I'm going to tell you what that means. It's very interesting. And In nearly 200 miles of this great bloodshed is probably going to have the results of Christ defeat the collected human armies. Talks about in 19. As he returns before the supper of the great God. Which some hold to be the battle of Armageddon. There's going to be the battle of Armageddon. And God's going to be. It's all going to happen simultaneously man. And then we have the wrath of God. It's complete with the seven last plagues. they're going to immediately follow by the second coming. And the marriage supper of the Lamb. Believers. Draw on. Draw closer to Jesus while you can. We're living in the last days. We have A limited time. Judgment is coming. This is what this chapter is about. This is the image of God's victory and the beast's defeat. God's going to destroy the beast, judge the world. The fate is going to happen. The 144,000 are going to continue until he returns. Getting people saved. We believers need to trust in Jesus Christ, not this system of our own. We need to get into the word. Stay into the word. Understand that the word has power in it. And not be swayed back and to and forth from this world's problems. We need to trust in Jesus, man, no matter what the church has done to us. If you think the church is whatever it is, we got to keep going. Keep flowing and keep showing God's mercy and love and and grace. Uh, We have all been hurt at one point in our life. And yes, suffering is... You know, we, we suffer, but Jesus suffered before us. And we must, we must look forward instead of behind. We see in Revelation 7, the 144 are sent at the beginning of the Great Tribulation in Revelation 14. And it shows the 144 in triumph at the end of the Great Tribulation. And so this is the deal, man. Get ready. Don't be in fear. Just work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. If you do that, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. You don't have to worry about anything. You're God's first fruits. And God loves you. And he has a plan for you. He has a plan for every one of you guys. And God is in love with you because he just wants to be glorified. Give him the glory. It's what, it's what the angel will tell the whole world to do. They can do this and give glory to God and worship Him willingly. In this life that we live in, we give Him the glory. And Philippians chapter 2 verse 9-11 says, Therefore God also has highly exalted Him and given Him the name which is above every name. That at that name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. There'll be a war in the end and the grapes, the blood will come out of the wine press up to the horses' bridles for for 1,600 furlongs is the Armageddon and end of the war. The Battle of Armageddon is in Revelation 16, 16, and 1911. But it's a description of the river of blood running the length of a promised land and as high as a horse's bridle. It's, this would basically be the incomprehensible river of blood. And Jesus says, I have given my blood for you on the cross. There'll be a battle in these last days called the Armageddon, the battle will have one thousand six hundred furlongs it'll be two hundred miles and it will you know it will be two hundred miles long it, it's it's the radius from Jerusalem will be gathered at the time of the second coming of Christ and there will be a uh, a huge Complete judgment of God, Revelation 14. It's the perfect answer to Revelation 13. And at the end of Revelation 13, it almost seemed like Satan and the Antichrist might win, like a big, like a baseball game. But Revelation 14 shows who really is thing powerful, and in control. And it's God, it's the Messiah and his people, not Satan. It's Jesus Christ. Uh, the Antichrist is going to burn and his followers. So, believers, You don't got to (laughs) worry. That's this whole chapter in a nutshell. Reap the earth's harvest. God's going to do it. There'll be a battle. We have Jesus. We've already won because we've received him. He lives in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We don't got to worry about tomorrow or today. Just rest in the hope of Jesus Christ and the mercy of Christ. Don't work your way to heaven. Don't buy your way to heaven. Don't go to church and give your money away to heaven. I, don't, I believe that you should tithe, but don't worry about problems because problems are just a problem. We're temporarily here for a limited time offer. Father, we come before you, Lord. We thank you for this uh, chapter. And as we press on like your wine press into chapter 15 next week, I pray that all the non-believers out there that are angry, all the believers that are angry, all the, all the people who want money instead of you, Jesus. I pray that you change their life, Lord. Help their manipulation of their their evilness, Father. Scatter their, their, their confusion and replace it, Lord, with your love and your mercy. Lord, we pray for the non-believer that hears this, that they know that they can have a relationship with you and not a system that they can try to fix on their own. We can't do it on our own, Lord Jesus. We don't want to do it on our own anymore, Lord Jesus. Because when we get in the way, we fail. God, take our lives. Make us like you, Lord Jesus. Help us to grow like you, know like you, show like you, and become more like you, Father. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray for the Jewish state of Israel. We pray for the United States of America. We pray for the world. We pray for the pastors. We pray for the churches. And we pray for the, the, the bad churches who hurt people and put their nasty demonic presence in their life, Father. We pray that you change their lives. And you, Lord, have mercy on them on Judgment Day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you guys. Listen, man. Next week is Revelation 15. We're gonna get through this book, man, and then we're gonna book on to something else, something more radical, something more, uh, you know, more modern. Which, which is, you know, Revelation is modern. But we love you guys. Listen, growing in His Word is uh, sponsored by Jesus and ran by the Holy Spirit, and we don't collect any money. We're not a church. We're not a 501c3. We don't want your money. We don't want your donations. We don't need your donations. We love you guys. We're giving you the word of God for free. And God loves you guys and so do I. And remember, remember, if you're going to find a church, find a church that you really like, read their bylaws. (laughs) God bless you guys, man.